supposed to. Okay, we're on, we're on. Hello, climate change. It's Amy here with... With Jim. Yes, thank you for saying your own name. Um, so this is our first actual official episode. The last one was sort of an intro to what we're planning to do. And I don't know how far we'll get today because I am expecting a phone call soon <laughs> that I need to take. Um, but I thought it would be great if we could talk a little bit about the, well, basically the way I see it, one of the major things that we have to, to look at as human beings to take on this topic is what makes humans do things that are irrational. And we, as our middle-class Americans who are getting to have all this information now that, that we're actually destroying the planet, are somewhat paralyzed by overwhelm and discouragement and hopelessness. And even though the scientists are saying, it, it, you know, we still could make things not as terribly tragic as they'll be if we don't do anything, you still kind of just, I don't know, if the ostrich burying their heads in the sand is the right metaphor, but that's something that's happening, <laughs> something like that. Anyway, so besides our own irrationality, there's the irrationality of, you know, bigger systems in the world, but, you know, the thing that we have power over is ourselves, so we the, the most immediate power over, so maybe that's a place to start. What would you like to say, Jim? Well, when you use the term rational, yeah, I, I mean, I, that's where I think it starts to get tricky, because, yeah, it would be irrational if you completely believed that climate change was real, that it's going to have disastrous consequences, mm -hmm. and that they're going to be a lot more dramatic and sooner than anybody thinks. And I think part of the problem is that not everybody believes that. Right. I mean, I, I don't want to jump political, but I think there has been a really effective campaign to sow doubt in people's minds. Right, right. I mean, I think the polls that I've seen or read about show that like there are less people that believe it's real now than right. than there was a, a number of years ago. There are less people that believe it's real. Yeah. I've heard the opposite. So there's a lot of that's maybe part of the overwhelm too is that the information is contradictory, you know, no matter where you are on on the spectrum of what you believe. Yeah. Right. Cuz it's <clears throat> I mean it's perfectly rational that if you if you kind of doubt it and you're mm -hmm. not sure, then you would sort of keep doing what you're doing right but 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 i don't think so i think what's rational is that you would try to gather the information you would seek out sources that you trust and spend a little time you know caring for your world <laughs> it's because it's yours it's yeah. your world you you probably if, if some people who are possibly um uh trustworthy or or who you might have confidence in what they're telling you um and and you know we're hearing over and over again there's not much contradiction on this point it's 97 percent of scientists are saying it's happening right you know that 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 i don't think i have any doubt about right right so i don't either right so let's let's look at it from this point on so let's say you and i are two people who don't have any doubt that it's happening uh -huh. that it's serious that it needs to be addressed that we need to be putting our minds on what to do about it and we're surrounded by lots of people in our lives our even our closest loved ones are people we work with who um are somewhere in the range of 
I don't think it's happening. I don't think it's as bad as they say. I think it's as bad as they say, but I don't feel like there's anything I can do about it, so it's too hard to think about. Somewhere, you know, a lot of people in our lives are, kind of exist on that spectrum of, yeah. um, and, and we are in the position where we're trying to figure out, like, recently awoken, the world's a mess, now what do we do kind of thing. I'm going to tell you what I think the first steps are. Mm-hmm. One is getting the information, as much information as you can, it, it, without burying yourself in information at the expense of action, but getting enough information that you feel so that it's almost like you're kind of playing a chess game and you're find, finding out where all the pieces are and figuring out where you exist on that board so that you can make decisions that make sense about what kind of moves you make. So the first is getting that information. Like when you and I first... because. Uh, just to back up, in our relationship, I started talking about this like, wow, we really need to be doing something. We are in a position of great power as American middle class people, which means for the most part, we're in the top 2% of the world, maybe not the 1%, which is, yes, astronomically richer than we are. But compared to people who are day to day scraping by just to put food in their children's mouths and their own mouths, you know, we're in a, a lot. We have a lot more opportunity to address the issue, and because we're in the country that's by far doing most of the consumption of fossil fuels, we are in a position to change our own lifestyle and influence and impact the people closest to us. Oh, good! My friend just texted me saying she needs to talk later, so um, <laughs> so my phone call won't come in. So anyway, so that's the first thing, getting the information. And then, so step two in my mind is, and they don't necessarily have to be consecutive. They can be simultaneous. Step one, information. Step two, talking. And more, more importantly, listening and asking people in your life, what do you think? What, do you, what information do you have? What questions do you have about this? What emotions do you have about it? Because... For me, that has been the thing that woke me up, was the, was the people in my life who were already there thinking about this in a serious way, not putting any pressure on me whatsoever, but making room for me to explore my own feelings about it um, and um, take on the challenge in mm-hmm. a way that feels that doesn't feel like you're asking me to jump off a cliff, you know, to give up having an enjoyable life or, you know, sort of what you felt when yeah, I started I bringing it, it up with you. It may even be, I mean, it, it may be premature to even start talking about what you can do. Well, we're not in okay. Yeah, I think just, I mean, I'll give you an example. Like this, like people see me at work uh, walking from the bus. Yes. And I've had quite a few people, you know, ask me about that. Mm-hmm. You know, like, oh, right. I see you take the bus. Right. And so I go on to explain, you know, why I started doing it. And usually, you know, there's practical parts of it. Mm-hmm. It saves gas money and mm-hmm. it's less taxing on, on me personally, physically, to, you know. Yeah. I don't have to drive in the traffic. <clears throat> right. But it also gives me a chance to talk about, you know, I just started feeling like I needed to do something to have less of an impact on, mm-hmm. on the climate. And, you know, burn less fuel. Right. And, like, there was somebody just this week was asking me about taking the bus. And they really, 
they didn't know anything about how to actually get on the bus. Like, how do you even find out information about it? Right. You know, we're, we're so locked into cars yeah. in this country, and especially where we live. Mm-hmm. People don't even think about mass transit. Yeah, well, just for people listening, we live in, how many people are in our town? Like 1,200? 2,000. 2,000 yeah. people in, a, in our town. And, it's you very know, we rural. Don't, There's no buses. Right. We don't even have, like, a, a gas station. We don't even have sidewalks. Right. We don't have sidewalks. Right. <laughs> and we do not have buses. <laughs> but, but so Jim drives, you know, 15, 20 minutes to a bus, and, and, and the, the second part of it, the next two-thirds of your commute are on the bus. Yeah. So, so but, but I want to back up to before, I mean, you were already taking the bus, but I don't know... I didn't really sense at first that you were thinking that much about the climate stuff. I, I, I think you were thinking about saving gas money and saving stress. No, it was it was also about oh, it was? climate. Yeah. Okay, well I've been wanting to do this for Okay. quite a while. Okay. Well I'm I'm glad to hear that. Yeah. I mean it's I'm happy that you're doing it. I'm I have I'm happy for you because it takes stress out of your life. And actually I wanna just say that I think the things we do to address this issue in our own lives are going to be the things that make sense for our own health and well-being too. It's not, you know, we're not like this. What seems like a sacrifice is a sacrifice of convenience to drive yourself to the to work, and you and it is a sacrifice in time because it takes a little bit more time. But you gain in 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 um in exchange for that you gain an hour and uh, twenty minutes a day of chance to read. The New Yorker on the bus. Yeah, <laughs> which yeah, you enjoy. I used to never be able to get yeah. through actual right you know, news articles and whatever you want to do. Right. But uh, let me let me just bring up one thing because there was a place somewhere in this whole trajectory where I started talking to you about how um, intensely I was feeling the need to be doing something about this on a on a bigger scale than being diligent about my recycling or careful about you know packaged products that I buy or you know just those those things which are important but I feel like I need to figure out how to be engaged on a larger scale because when it comes right down to it the people in the position to make decisions around what my choices are on you know options that I have to make these differences are limited by what our society supports like anyway I won't go into I think we can do a whole other episode on that but anyway, when I first brought this up with you, I remember feeling resistance from you. Like, like, and you said at some point, and I want you to go into this a little more. You said at some point that, that it was feeling like you were being asked to live in poverty or to sacrifice. You say what? I'll let you talk to it. So it's about your thoughts. Well, yeah. I mean, I, I guess... If the if the vision that that we have on like if the way that we think you have to combat this is that everybody just stops consuming right and lowers their standard of living considerably yeah then I think that's going to be a hard sell. <laughs> <laughs> that's such a, a capitalist way yeah, of putting it. Well, it is. <laughs> I mean, ultimately, to to really pull this off, people have to buy into it. Yeah, but no, I'm, I, I'm asking idea. you to talk about your personal experience of me coming at you with my intensity of it, about it, and, and what, 
what you what your thought process was because I felt like there was a transition where where and there were times when you talked about how at first you had these certain thoughts and then something relaxed inside of you around it. You know what I'm referring to? Um Well, I mean, I guess I keep coming back to the to the the notion that that the way to actually solve the problem is for everybody to be poor. And I mean, we've talked about this. I think you're you're more drawn to a, an austere lifestyle where you know there isn't a lot of material stuff. Right. And I mean, I don't think. I'm, I don't have any vision of, like, this extravagant lifestyle, but mm-hmm. I also, like, I don't want to live with the stress of poverty, right. of n- not being sure that I can pay the bills and and that the house is going to fall down. And so I want to, you know, I want to be able to live so I can breathe. Mm-hmm. So sometimes I hear the message of we have to cut back, as in, well, then everybody just has to be poor. Right. And we can't have stuff. And I don't think we need to have as much stuff as we do. I don't think we need nearly as much stuff as we do. But I also don't think you can you can just convince people that they have to radically like lower their standard of living in order to do this, in order to be effective. You know. Don't touch it. If you touch the mic, it makes weird noises. Okay, sorry. I just made weird noises. <laughs> um. I mean, maybe I want my cake and eat it too. Yeah. You know, I want to be able to, to live a middle class lifestyle, and I want to be able to live it in a green way. Yeah. You know, so that I'm not destroying the planet. Right. And that's why, you know, maybe I'm I'm more attracted to the idea of finding some really cool alternative energy sources. Yeah. That aren't as polluting, aren't nearly as polluting. Right. And I'm, you know, and I. I'd love to think that just me taking the bus, if everybody did that, mm-hmm. that that would make a huge difference. But, yeah. you know, I don't know. Well, <clears throat> I can't remember what... I wish that we were recording... I remember saying to you that, that you asked me what I was thinking, and I was thinking, I wish we were recording this. There was a conversation we had at one point um, where you said that where your mind goes in a sort of defensive way when I'm when it feels like I'm pushing is that I'm asking for you to be poor and that with more thought where you come to with something that that's not actually where I'm going with this and and that it's actually about I don't that's the part that I don't remember clearly what you said but it was so great to hear you say Mm. (laughs) that I was hoping you repeat it if you don't remember that's fine yeah that's fine Um, whatever comes out will come out yeah so I mean you're right that I'm attracted to I have a romance around poverty poverty and and I don't I don't feel super ashamed of that because I have been poor and I've you know I've lived mm-hmm. I've been homeless <laughs> um I've been down to $15 without a home and without a job and you know playing my guitar on the street to to buy lunch you know I've been there um and it is very very stressful However, um, on the other hand, I know that without having all of my, um, all the security, I can still be happy and still be relaxed. Um, but, you know, there is a fine line between 
you know, if I'm healthy and I'm warm and I'm fed, you know, and I, and I don't know where the next meal is coming from or the next, you know, all those details, it's not as um, stressful for me as it would be for someone who's never been there. Um, but however, there, I am very aware of the thin line between, um, having very little and, and, and really, really being in dire straits if your health is bad or your, your car breaks down and that's your home. Mm -hmm. And so, I mean, I, I get that. So I'm not, I'm not, I don't think that, I don't think that the, that this is about, um, poverty, but I do feel like we've gotten accustomed to a certain amount of comfort and convenience, which, um, which supposedly makes our lives easier, but which I think actually are trappings of, um, of, of a life that's way too busy. Um, the mm -hmm. more convenience we have, the more that's expected of us. And, um, uh, um, so there's, I mean, I think there's a lot of room for us to have a higher quality of life without feeling so compelled to show up at destination weddings and, you know, and, and have expensive hobbies and mm -hmm. expensive gadgets and be um, at, you know, a fingertips touch from communication with everyone in our lives. And, you know, there's just a lot, a lot of things that convenience has sort of made us sort of strapped in to, to a lifestyle that's actually not quite so enjoyable as having, having nothing to do <laughs> and few choices around what clothes to put on or what's going to be for dinner tonight. Um, doesn't mean that the, that those few choices have to be bad choices. We could have really nice food, but, but you know, there's only going to be broccoli or lettuce for the vegetable tonight, not 15 other choices and not, you know, fun chips to have on the side or whatever. Anyway, I'm going off in a very esoteric direction, I think. But I want to talk about practical. I do think that it's not too soon to talk about what to do. And I think that conversations with people in our lives is something that needs to happen. And it's not just about being an activist and, and inspiring other people into action. I also think you can't look closely at these details for very long before you become overwhelmed if you're not in communication in community about it if you're not feeling like you're not alone in that overwhelm or that you're the only one who's looking I just I I'm finding that there's only so much I can put my mind on this stuff before I need to have a meltdown <laughs> and I can't keep doing that alone and I don't do that alone or else I would probably have given up and buried my hand head back into the sand mm -hmm. anything you want to say well I just found myself thinking okay so let's each name one thing that we're doing right now mm -hmm. that is is not necessary, that is wasteful, that's mm. something that we could just stop doing. Oh, boy. All right, you start. <laughs> <laughs> Got something? Um, well, I think... The one simple simple one we've talked about this one is to not buy um, bottled drinks. Right, you, you do know, a lot of bottled with the drinks. plastic bottles. Yeah. Like I like vitamin waters, mm -hmm. and so I buy those individual bottles, yeah. and that's really convenient. Yeah. 
and it tastes good. But like each one of those is made of oil. Yeah. You know, I'm like drinking. I don't know how much, but there's right. like drops and drops of oil that I'm drinking right there. Right. And, you know, the one thing I I heard that resonated with me is, you know, the way to, to get out of this climate change, the global warming, is is to keep the carbon in the ground. Yeah. Keep it there. Right. You know? Yeah. <laughs> so every time I'm using one of those bottles, I'm helping pull more carbon, mm-hmm. you know, out of the ground to right. make this stupid bottle. So that's one thing for yeah, me. That's a good one. I, I I can think of one thing that isn't so much an issue at this time of year, but um, we have a dehumidifier in our basement, and we also have a, a line where we dry our like athletic clothes and things that shouldn't go in the dryer, and that line is located right above the dehumidifier. So what ends up happening is instead of air drying our clothes down there, we're dehumidifier drying them. So in other words, there's power being used <laughs> to keep that space less humid. And we're, and we're using that machine instead of the, dr- the, the, the clothes dryer to dry those clothes. So I think we need to set up a system. I mean, in the upstairs during the winter, it's not humid enough. In the downstairs, it's too... Isn't that right? We run. Oh no, we run those in the summer. In the summer, we run. Right. Yeah. So it is this time of year. So we yeah. need to relocate our our operate. I mean, it's a, such a small thing. Those clothes that need to be dried. We could just have a line outside. Well, I don't want to put. But I don't want to put those. They have to be in the shade. But we would. We need to set it up. That's that's what I would. I would take on. Yeah, but that's for the house. What about you personally? Oh come on! I. You got off the hook with that one. <laughs> Not off the to... hook. That's still an action that I have to do. Yeah. Someone has to do it. You personally. Okay, I have to pause this. Okay. We'll come back and argue some more. I'll let you know in the next episode. We'll end it right here. Thank you, Jim. Thanks.